You know, our world is more secular, but it is not less spiritual. It's more secular. There's no question that more and more people are straying from biblical truth and they are rejecting in so many ways uh, the message of the Bible or straying to other messages. We live in an increasingly secularized culture, but it is not less spiritual. People still realize there is more to life than meets the eye. And they are hungry for spiritual answers in life. All you have to do is go to a local bookstore and look at a section on spirituality. And you will see that people are hungry for spiritual answers. It's almost like we instinctively know the first part of what Jesus said is true. When he said, man cannot live by bread alone. Jesus meant there's more to life than meets the eye. There is more to life than the physical. There is more to life than eating and the clothes we wear and the job we have. There is a spiritual dimension to life. We get that. We just forget the second part of what Jesus said. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We forget that the real spiritual answers in life come from the truth that God gives us in his word people in our culture are culture are as hungry as ever but they need to know the truth more than ever jesus was talking to his followers in john chapter 14 it was a heavy teaching and they were disturbed they needed to be comforted and today we're going to look at some of the things that jesus taught them in john chapter 14 specifically we're going to just focus in on verses 16 through 20 of that great chapter in which Jesus gave them some comforting words, but he also gave them some disturbing words. He told them that he was going to leave. He was going to depart. And we know that troubled them because the very first verse of that chapter, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He could see that they were bothered. And in that passage, he gave them many comforting truths. And among them, there's the passage we're going to look at in verses 16 through 20 about a presence, what we're calling the presence. And we're going to learn about this presence over the next month, over the next four weeks. We're going to learn about the role of God's presence in our life. But we're going to begin here in the 14th chapter of John. And I want to read verses 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in this great teaching. He says in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to see you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. As Jesus was teaching his disciples, he informed them of what was going to come. Of course, in a few days... There would be his death and resurrection. And Jesus told them, the time is coming when I will leave. I will go to be with my father. And then even as he taught them that disturbing truth, he said, let me tell you something even greater is going to happen. The father is going to send you another comforter. There is going to be a presence. He is not going to leave you alone. In fact, he specifically said the father is going to send you another 
counselor, and he calls him in the very first phrase of verse 17, the spirit. It is the spirit of truth. Jesus was speaking about what we commonly call the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you read in the New Testament about the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. We're talking about God's Spirit. And Jesus said, this one is going to come who is the Spirit of truth. The, the Spirit, the, a presence that's true, a presence that is real. Jesus was promising us a presence that is is real, the spirit of truth. Now, when I see that phrase, it, it, it reminds me of a lot of things. It certainly is a spirit that leads us into truth, but I, I think it's a spirit of a truth as opposed to two things. It is a spirit of truth. It is the true spirit as opposed to empty religion. There are so many today who will come into houses of worship and they will have what the Bible calls in another section uh, a, a form of godliness, but it lacks the real power. Or you could say it lacks a real presence. You can go through the motions of coming to a place and mouthing certain words and even intellectually ascribing to certain truths. You can have empty religion without really having the presence of God. And it happens in so many places where we have the form, but we lack the power. And, and when I hear Jesus saying, I, the Father's going to send the Spirit of truth, I think about that real spirit as opposed to just empty, dead religion where people go through the motions. You know, I understand theology. You understand that God is omnipresent. God's presence is everywhere. There is nowhere that can escape the presence of God. And yet you also know that there is a qualitative sense, a, an intimate sense in which the presence of God abides in certain places, anoints certain places, rests upon certain places that is different than others. You felt that, haven't you? Ever walked into a church building and you think, whoo, man. Something's missing here. You ever had that happen? And, and there was almost a presence that really was a lack of a presence. There was a void, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it hung in the air. And have you ever walked into a place, whether it was a church or a place, and you walk in, and you just uh, immediately, there is a sense of God's presence. Ever been in a place, you just knew God was speaking into your life. You could feel his presence. That's what people are hungry for. Not religion, but the presence of God. And when I hear Jesus saying, I'm going to send you a spirit of truth, he wasn't talking about some empty form. He was talking about the true and living spirit. Boy, I was at a church one time, and it was just so, I was preaching there for a week, and it was so cold. It was so dry. They were sweet people, but, I, and, and, and there are many forms of worship. I'm not talking about the forms. I just, boy, it was cold. I mean, nobody Nobody clapped at any time. Nobody, nobody raised their hands and, you know, nobody said amen. I just, I would have settled for a grunt once in a while. You know what I'm saying? I wanted somebody just to get up and go to the bathroom so we'd just have somebody moving in the service. And I asked the pastor afterwards, I said, well, what, you know, what, why, they, boy, they really seem rigid here. And he said, well, another church in our town got a little carried away and went, he said, went charismatic. And we don't ever want to become charismatic. And I said, well, I've got good news for you. <laughs> so I've been here about three days, and I can assure you there is not the remotest possibility that this church is ever going to become charismatic. 
Friend, just because somebody might be excessive or extreme doesn't mean I don't want to be grounded in real truth. Don't let somebody's imbalance cause you to have another imbalance. Just because somebody's house burned down doesn't mean I don't want to fire in the fireplace. We hunger for the presence of God. We hunger for the truth of God's presence. Jesus said, I'll send you the spirit of truth. I think of the spirit of truth as opposed to spiritual deception. Because I want to tell you, there is a a, a spirit that is different than the spirit of God. And I'm not saying it isn't a real spirit because there are real uh, demonic spirits. There are real spirits that are counterfeit spirits. But they're not a spirit of truth. They aren't what they pretend to be. They don't lead you to life and blessing. They lead you to death and cursing. They don't lead you to freedom and greater power. They lead you to bondage and an absence of power. And we hunger for the spirit that is the true spirit. That will set us free and give us life. We hunger for the presence. In this passage, Jesus taught us three things about the presence that I want us to learn this morning. Three powerful truths about this presence, this spirit. And as we begin this series all through the month of October, I want us to underscore these three things as we begin. First, Jesus teaches us about the presence. And and the first thing I want you to see is in verse 16. This presence... Jesus said, comes from God. It is a presence that comes from God himself. He says in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Jesus has said, I'm about to leave, and so I'm going to ask the Father to send you another counselor. Jesus was one who had already been sent, but the Father's going to send another counselor, and he will be with you forever. I've got to go and be with the Father. I'm going to leave you, but this one who's coming, he will abide with you forever. This is a presence that comes from God. What is Jesus teaching in verse 16 about the Holy Spirit? I think he's teaching us there that the Holy Spirit is our constant companion. He is our constant companion. I chose those two words on purpose because I really think it's what Jesus is saying here. I want you to look at those words, constant and companion. First of all, look at the word companion. The word companion. In verse 16, this is the text. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father. He will give you another counselor. Do you see that word counselor there in your notes? and, and, And that's from the NIV translation. Now, if you have another translation, you may have a different word. Because almost every translation translates that word differently. Now, when Jesus spoke this truth, he was probably speaking in Aramaic. When they wrote it down, they wrote it not in English. They wrote it in, in, a, in Greek. And as anyone knows, sometimes words don't translate very well. It's hard to get the meaning of this word into our language. And, and to show you how hard that word is to translate, let me show you how many different translations there are of that word. The NIV says it's the counselor. The King James says it's the word comforter. The New King James says it's the word helper. The message paraphrase uh, calls it the friend. And the New Living Translation translates that word advocate. Now, when four, five, or six smart guys are trying to translate that word, and every one of them are coming up with a different word, that lets you know this is a tough word to describe. So let me tell you what this word is right there. It's the Greek word paraclete. And what that means is, it's a tough word to translate. The word paraclete comes from, from, it's really two words put together. 
the first part of that word, para, means to come alongside, like parallel or a paragraph. It's something that comes along. It's a prefix that means to come alongside you. Paraclete means somebody who's called out. And so paraclete means one who's called out to come alongside you. Somebody whose purpose is to walk with you. Now, the word paraclete actually had a legal meaning, a legal connotation to the Greeks. It it was somebody who in a legal proceeding might come alongside somebody to help them, to encourage them. Now, I know what somebody's thinking. Somebody's saying, Pastor, are you saying the Holy Spirit is like a lawyer? Isn't that blasphemy of the Spirit or something? Oh, no. Just a joke to all my lawyer friends, all right? Sort of, but different. It, it, I, I think if it, it's like, it, it wasn't just like a defense attorney, but a, but a paraclete is anybody who in any kind of legal proceeding could come alongside somebody to offer counsel and advice and to walk with them. And, and, and if you want to know what the word means, look at all the things Jesus described this person is doing. He described the paraclete as somebody who would guide us into truth. He described the paraclete as somebody who would convict us and show us what is right. He described the paraclete as somebody who would encourage us and comfort us. If you took the idea of a lawyer and a coach and a teacher and a counselor and you took the best of all of those and rolled it into one, that's somewhat this idea is. This spirit is sent by God to walk alongside us to encourage us, to enlighten us, to equip us, and to guide us into all truth. And Jesus said, God's gonna, this, this presence is going to come from God. He is going to be our constant companion to walk with us. Look at the word constant. Jesus said in verse 16, he will be with you for a while. Is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus say, he'll be with you until you mess up? Is that what Jesus said? He'll be with you if you don't mess up. No, he said, he will be with you forever. Now, as I study the New Testament, it is possible to sin against the Holy Spirit. It is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It is possible to quench the Holy Spirit of God. It is possible to not be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It is possible to not walk in the Spirit of God. All of those are commands, and then, by logical extension, those are possibilities of sin. But it is not possible for a believer who has known the companion of the Holy Spirit to lose the Holy Spirit of God. He will be with you, Jesus said, forever. He is a presence that comes from God, and he is our constant companion. Second truth, look at verse 17. Not only does this presence come from God, but according to verse 17, he acts like God. He, he acts like God. Look at what Jesus said here in verse 17. As he begins that verse, again, he calls him the spirit of truth. And then look at what he says in verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. Verse 17 says, the world does not know about him, and here's why. Watch this. Because it cannot see him with physical eyes. It cannot know him with the rational mind. Therefore, in the world around us, we're, we're not talking about a physical being. We're not talking about a presence that can be known sensorially through our senses. 
through our ability to see and taste and touch and all of that. This is a presence that can only be known in our spirit. What is verse 17 telling us? The verse 17 is telling us this presence is a spirit. You know him because he lives in you. He is a spirit. Now that is important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit is our constant companion, but he is a spirit. If you want to know this presence, watch this. If you want to sense this presence, you're going to have to get, watch this, you're going to have to get beyond your senses. You're going to have to get beyond what is physically known, and you are going to have to encounter him in your spirit. The Bible says God made us in his image. That means God made us with the capacity to be spiritual beings, to know and relate to him. You must encounter the Holy Spirit in your spirit. You can walk into a church. You can sit in a physical building. You can mouth words, sing songs, ascribe to doctrine, and never really encounter the Spirit. Because if you want to worship Him, you have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus was having a conversation with a Samaritan woman in John 4. Significant because the Samaritans were full of religious controversies. They didn't know where to go to really worship God. Some of them said you had to go to Jerusalem. That's what the Jewish people said. Samaritans said you don't. Jerusalem is significant. That's where the temple was. And so what she was asking is, what she was really asking is, how do I encounter God's presence? Can I do it here? Or do I have to go to Jerusalem? It was the great debate in her mind. And in John 4 and 24, what did Jesus tell her? God is a spirit. It isn't about where you're going to go to find him. He is a spirit. If you want to find him, you will worship him in spirit and in truth. To really encounter this presence is beyond physical. Oftentimes, believers will use a phrase like, God spoke to me or God spoke into my life. And I think we need to be careful with our verbiage there. But, but certainly, God speaks into our life. Somebody asked me one time, well, you, do you mean you heard a voice? I said, no, it was much louder than that. And when you encounter God in your spirit, you understand just how loud that can be, just how strong that presence can be. We encounter Him in our spirit. You're going to have to get beyond your senses. And you're going to have to open your heart to him. That's why you have to receive Christ as your savior. You have to believe from your spirit upon him. And his spirit comes to live within you. And if you want to encounter his presence, you do it in the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? Well, it does to those who have the spirit. Look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14. What a great verse. Paul said, the man without the Spirit, that is a person that's never invited Christ into their life, never received the Holy Spirit, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Ever come into a church service or a concert and somebody will go, wow, God spoke. And the next guy walks out and go, boy, I'm glad that's over. Because to one person, it seems like foolishness. And Paul wrote, that's because these things are spiritually discerned. You are more than flesh and blood. You are a living spirit. And this presence, you say, this presence, you're talking about a vision, you're talking about an audible voice. Listen, God can use anything he wants to to make himself known. But I'm telling you, the way that God wants to commune with you, the way that God wants to fellowship with you and interact with you is through his spirit into your spirit. 
This, this Holy Spirit comes from God. He's our constant companion. He is like God in that He is a spirit. And you must discern Him in your spirit. You must experience Him in your spirit. Let me give you a third truth. And the final truth I want us to look at this morning. He not only comes from God, He is not only like God in that He is a spirit, but really if you just want to say it all, the first two and just summarize everything. Folks, it's not just the one who comes from God. It's not just the one who acts like God. It is the one who is God. He is God. Look at what Jesus said in verse 18. He said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to come to you. How can you leave and come at the same time? Because Jesus was leaving in his physical form, but his very presence was coming in a spiritual way. He said in verse 19, before long the world will not see me anymore. That's because he's going to be gone. He said, but you'll see me because I live, you also will live. And he says, this verse 20, listen to this. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me. Listen, I am in you. These verses are teaching us about the very nature of God, which is hard to wrap your mind around. But all we can do is accept Exactly what the Bible tells us. That there is only one God. Please do not misunderstand. We're not talking about multiple gods. That's paganism. What separated the Jewish people, God's people, from the pagans of the world is they understood there's one God, creator and ruler of the universe. God is one. But that one God has revealed himself to us in three persons. As God the Father, eternal, invisible, immortal, as God the Son who inherited human flesh and walked among us and died for our sins, and as God the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, which is poured out upon us and is active in our lives and active in our world. And what Jesus was saying there is, I am leaving, but I am coming. I'm leaving in one form, but I'm coming in another. The world won't see me, but you will see me. I am in the Father, but we are in you. What is he saying? The Holy Spirit is the presence and the person of God. He is the person and the presence of God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about Jesus. We are talking about God. We are talking about the Spirit which is with us now. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about the presence of God that is with us. Listen, we are talking about the presence of God that is in us. Every now and then I'll hear somebody say something like this, and I, I know what they mean. I've probably said it myself. They'll get excited about a Bible passage where Jesus was with his disciples, and they'll say, wow, I wish I could have been there. Wouldn't it have been great to be right there with God in human flesh? Can you imagine that? Or how would you have liked to have been? You read the story about, you know, the disciples were kind of the inner circle. They had an inner circle in the inner circle. Do you know that? Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration to be glorified, he only took three. You ever read that and go, boy, I wish I could. Maybe if he could have just took four. Man, I don't like to have been in that group. Can you imagine there with God in the flesh? Boy, I wish we could experience that. And that's where you have to say, wait a second, folks. Do you understand what God is saying to you? 
Jesus said, I have to leave so that I can come in an even greater way. You may have a hard time accepting this, but let me tell you something. Peter, James, and John have nothing on us. Nothing. Say, they were, Pastor, you're wrong there. They were in the presence of God. Do you understand what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit? His Spirit has come and He lives within you. So I wish I could be as close. Can I tell you how close you can be to God? Can I tell you how much of God you've got this morning? You've got as much of God as you want. You've got as much of God as you desire. You can be as close to Him as your heart hungers to be. He is here. Not some far off image of God. Not some distant just replication of God. No, 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 no. The presence of the living God who created the world, who came in the form of Jesus, who died for our sins, is here and desires to live in us and walk with us. That's what the Holy Spirit is. God with us in us. I went to see her. I had just gone to, to become a pastor at a church several years ago and and I, I went to visit this dear lady. I don't even remember the occasion of, of why, but she was a shut-in. That means, you know, you don't get out very much, and, and a widow woman. And, and I, I was the pastor. I hadn't met her. I went to see her. One-bedroom apartment, little one-bedroom apartment, a kitchen, little, little, little living area. I went in there and sat down with her, just introduced myself. I'm the pastor. I love you. I want to be your pastor and just pray for you and started talking to her. And then I found out that her husband had died eight or nine years before and she'd been alone. And, and I said something I've said to a lot of people, something that is very true. I, I said to her, I said, you know, I, I know it must be very lonely being here all by yourself. And she said, oh no, he's with me. And I thought maybe she'd got another boyfriend or something. I, I thought, you know, what? I didn't know. I, who, who is he? You know, I thought we're going to have to have another discussion. Now, I mean, I didn't know. She said it like she meant it, though. I mean, he, he, no, he's with me. And then she talked. I, I understood. No, no, she wasn't talking about he, some man. She was talking about the Spirit, God. And, and, and I know people say that, you know, I've said that, you've said that, I'm telling you, she said it like she meant it, she said, she told me, she said, I am not alone. She said, he's with me. Every day that I sit down to eat, he's sitting there with me. And then she looked at me and she said something I knew I'd never forget. She said, Pastor, sometimes he is so close, I can feel his breath on the back of my neck she had cultivated fellowship with the presence of God can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit if you know Jesus and he has come to live within your life he is your companion and let me tell you something he was with you he's not only with you right now he's with you all last week he went with you everywhere you went. Just like a friend sitting there. He listened every time you turn on the radio. He was there when you were watching the television. How'd you like to hang around somebody who ignored you all the time? 
That's what a lot of us do to him. Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit's him. He is with us. You say, well, how do I begin to cultivate that awareness of his presence? How about talking to him? How about listening to him? How about every day you see it as an opportunity to know him? We are missing it when we say, oh, if only I could be with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus walked in that door? Let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't have to walk in the door. He is right here. He's here. You have to open your heart and know him. And once you know him, to open your heart and fellowship with him and walk with him and live under his control. And that's what we're going to be talking about all month long, what it is to walk and live in his presence. I, I, I want to end this service maybe a little differently. I, I want us to have a time of prayer. I, but not, not just prayer. I want you to be aware of his presence. There may be something you need to say to your companion, to your counselor, to your advocate. He is right here. And there's something you need to say to him right now. Some of you need to say, I am sorry that I have been ignoring you. I am sorry that I drug you in that place. No wonder you were uncomfortable and made me uncomfortable. I, I am sorry I did that. Some of you just need to hold his hand and know that you are walking through the fire right now, but he is walking with you. Some of you need to climb up onto the lap of a heavenly father and let him wrap his arms around you and know he is here. He is here. So I, I want Travis in a minute is going to come and just lead us in a, a song. He's just going to lead us in worship. And if you want to come and pray here at the prayer altar, it's open. You want to pray right where you're standing or you want to sit there and pray or kneel there and pray. Whatever the Lord is telling you to do, the prayer altar is open. There are pastors, they'll be standing here. If you need to come and give your heart to Jesus, have somebody pray with you, they're right here, we'll pray with you. But I want these next four or five minutes to just be a time where you talk to him as if he's right there because he is, because he is. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to pray for you. And when I say amen, we're going to begin just singing. Travis is going to lead us. You come, you kneel here and pray. You talk to him right now. Would you stand with me? Let's stand right now. Would you stand? Lord Jesus, we are so glad that you are here. That you did not leave us as orphans alone. Forgive us for living so much in the flesh that we fail to see through the Spirit. You're here, our constant companion. The living God in our midst and in our life. And some of us just need to talk to you right now. Some of us need to make things right with you right now. There may be some here today that need to receive you right now for the very first time in their life to open the doors of their heart and say, Holy Spirit, come inside. And be my companion. So today, Lord, in this time of commitment, may we respond to you and receive your grace and your strength. 
to know that you're here. We pray it in Jesus' name. We're praying. If you want to come right now and pray, you come while Travis leads us. You come right now. In your presence, that's where I am strong. In your presence, oh Lord my God, in your presence, that's where I belong, seeking your face, touching your grace, in the cleft of the Father, it is in your presence where we find the life we need, healing, the help. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here and that you love us and that you're with us and that you are in us. Lord, we leave this place wanting to live and walk in your presence. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And amen. God bless you.